Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Obviously, the Jets know something that, you know, the people up here don't. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com, joined, as always, by my co-host, Dalvin Asario. Dalvin, how you doing today? I'm doing good, Joe. Fresh off my, uh, you know, a week break that you gave me, and Scott pinch hit for me last week, but it's good to be back. It's good to be back after a Jets win. I feel like we haven't done a, a podcast after a victory in a really long time, so it feels good to do that. It has been a very long time, and it definitely is better to be talking about football after a win than after a loss. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to break down the Jets' Week 3 win, 20-6 to over the Miami Dolphins, preview their Week 4 game at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, and talk about the fast start to the season for this rookie class, particularly Jamal Adams, uh, who has just flown out of the gate through the first three weeks. Before we dive into all of that, I want to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official team partner and sponsor of the New York Jets. Uh, they will have a tailgate uh, party set up inside the Pepsi Gate at this week's home game, so make sure you check that out. They got open bar, food, jet celebrities, flight crew coming through there. It'll be open from 11 to 1230. Uh, you can learn more about what they'll be doing all season long at primesport.com backslash turn on the Jets. Again, that's Prime Sport, official team partner and sponsor of the New York Jets. Learn more at primesport.com backslash turn on the Jets. Um, for this past weekend, the Jets went in about six-point underdogs to Miami. I think many people thought this had a chance to be a competitive game as Miami was coming back from a West Coast game. Jay Cutler is always unpredictable, and he's still shaking off some of that rust uh, from taking the entire offseason off. And this game w- was probably even more w- – actually, it was more one-sided than the score indicates. This was a 20-6 to game where the Jets missed a makeable 45-yard field goal where the Dolphins scored a touchdown with literally zero time left in the clock. For all intents and purposes, this was basically a shutout. The Jets – basically dominated this game from start to finish in all three phases, particularly defensively, where they just completely shut down Jay Ajayi, who did absolutely nothing on the ground. Jay Cutler looked completely out of sorts, uh, threw an interception at Terrence Brooks, uh, was sacked multiple times and could not move Miami's offense at all. They didn't even get past the 50-yard line until the second half. The Jets' front seven really looked like they were playing at a different speed. And on the back end, you had Jamal Adams moving all over the place, recorded his first sack, had a pass breakup, had a tackle for a loss, uh, was again really the top highlight on defense, along with newly signed defensive end outside linebacker David Bass, who was all over the field with three tackles, a tackle for a loss, and a sack. 
Uh, it was an encouraging day all around for the defense. Demario Davis overcame a slow start to the season and led the Jets with 11 tackles, including three tackles for a loss. Dolphins were never able to really exploit him or Darren Lee in coverage. This was the defense that some fans thought we might see before the year, uh, and the Jets delivered on it finally against a Miami team who was sloppy, was penalized, and looked just completely out of it uh, from start to finish for a team that many thought was going to be a playoff contender this year. Offensively, uh, the Jets moved the ball well, 20 points again for the second week in a row, highlighted by a 60-plus yard touchdown pass from Josh McCown to Robbie Anderson. Good aggressive play calling from the Jets late in the first half on a second and long situation. Perfectly thrown ball from McCown on a four verticals concept. And finally, the Jets are able to hit that home run to Robbie Anderson. That feels like he's been missed on about a thousand times over the past year and a half. Special teams was solid. Jets were not fooled on a a fake punt where Terrence Brooks actually grabbed another interception. He finished the game with two. Canzaro hit his other two field goals. And the Jets basically just rolled. And, you know, I I always thought, and I know you thought this as well, Dalvin, that any 0-16 or 1-15 talk was a little ridiculous. I think I picked the Jets to go 5-11. I think you picked the Jets to go 6-10. And, you know, when you looked at the early part of this schedule, it wasn't crazy to think that between the Miami Buffalo, Jacksonville, and Cleveland game. The Jets might win two or three games, and now they will go back home to play a Jacksonville team who's been very good on defense, although they still will come into this game as three-point underdogs. What, what were your overall reactions, uh, and how surprised were you with the outcome on Sunday with the Jets win over the Dolphins? Um, I mean, I'll say not surprised just because I think one of the things that I talked about even when we were previewing the season was that I didn't think Miami was that good a team. I think that Miami this year is very similar to how the Jets were in 2015. It's a team, you know, with a new coach riding that wave and, you know, that coach kind of simplifies things for some of the talented players and makes things easier Uh, and in turn also they also sneak up on a lot of teams. So I think Miami did that. The only difference between Miami and the Jets is that Miami finished the job and actually got into the playoffs, whereas the Jets didn't, right? And so now you're seeing, and also the the it needs to be said, it's it's a downgrade going from Ryan Tannehill to Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler isn't as good a quarterback as Ryan Tannehill, and you're seeing that, right, as Miami continues to struggle. And this is a team that realistically has one of the better slot receivers in the league in Jarvis Landry, has one of the better running backs in the league in Jay Ajayi, and has invested heavily in the offensive line with both first-round picks and free agent sign, well, three first-round picks on the offensive line and on defense doled out a ton of money to Dominican Sue has Cameron Wake, uh, you know, has traded for Byron Maxwell. And this is a team that is really set up poorly going forward because they only have five draft picks next year and literally have no cap space. Right. So one, are they not, are they not playing well right now, but they're also set up long-term to not be very good with that said, I wasn't surprised by the jets beating them the way that they did. I think the jets handled business. I think the jets dominated, it up front. I think Jamal Adams and I think I put this in the round table. I can collect my Twitter points now or we can collect them at the end of the year. I think that you saw a guy who and this is why the box safety uh, label that he was assigned was so ridiculous, because this is a kid who literally plays everywhere on defense. He played 21 snaps at linebacker. He played 14 at cornerback, played 11 at deep cover free safety or whatever. I, I think that's the breakdown. Like 
He was all over the field. And you saw a lot of that even in Buffalo, right? Like when he chased down Charles Clay, and then you saw that last week, and then now you see it now. This Jets defense is young, and it's hungry. And it's been very impressive to see the younger guys step up, right? Like Adams, like Williams, who had a better game because Mo Wilkerson actually looked active in this game as opposed to the first two games. But then you also have guys like Daryl Roberts, New Milner, who was inserted into the starting lineup because Justin Burris was benched. And then you have Terrence Brooks, who was acquired for, you know, for Dexter McDougal. And I'll admit, I was surprised that the Jets went and got another safety when McDougal had such a promising spring and a promising training camp. But you see Bowles being able to play his three safety looks with Brooks, Adams, and May. And Marcus May, again, it may not have been flashy, but Marcus May is the like Marcus May has the lower ceiling than Jamal Adams, but he also has the he also has the the higher floor in the sense like there isn't going to be much difference between what you get from him. He's he's, he's pretty much bust proof in that sense um, because he's going to be solid either way. Uh, but honestly, I think the biggest thing is Todd Bowles has had this team ready to play every week. They have not been beaten off of the field. They have. I've not been embarrassed, really. The Oakland game was just them losing to a team that was better than them, right? Um, so I, I was not surprised that they beat Miami. Miami, to me, isn't a very good team. Uh, the gap between them and the Jets is really in the quarterback position. Had Tannehill played, I think Miami wins. Cutler's so bad that it doesn't really matter. So it was a good win for them. Yeah, I don't think this win, unless you had... They're not I going think, to the playoffs yeah, if, I, I, before people get crazy. Yeah, I think unless you had like very off-base expectations for this team coming into the season, which in my mind would be they're going 0-16 or 1-15, or they're going to be a playoff team, this win doesn't change all that much. I, I think the Jets were always kind of poised for a 2-4 and or 3-3 three and three start, with McCown probably playing slightly better than expected because the expectations were so low. The real question is going to be what do they do in that middle part of the schedule when they have to play New England, when they have to play Atlanta, when they have to play Kansas City and Denver and Tampa Bay and some of the more challenging teams. The Jets are going to win a couple games in the AFC East. I wouldn't be surprised if they took their second game against Buffalo or beat Miami again at some point. And I, I do, again, think this team will probably finish between somewhere between four and six wins. But Sunday was definitely an encouraging game, mostly because a lot of the strong performances came from the youngest pieces. As you mentioned, Jamal Adams uh, has really been terrific through three games. The amount of positions he is playing on defense, from strong safety to free safety to slot corner to outside linebacker to edge, uh, at the level that he's playing them is incredibly encouraging through three games. And at this point, he's definitely in discussion for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, Elijah McGuire uh, has been the Jets' most effective runner to this point this season. He did lose a fumble, but with Matt Forte now hurt and likely out next week, his role should only get bigger. Uh, obviously, Robbie Anderson caught the long touchdown. Our Darius Stewart, who only played five snaps, still had a beautiful diving catch. We cannot implore the Jets more to play that guy more and play the rest of their young players more because this year is about the young players getting experience and improving and playing well. And, uh, you know, you saw that where Brandon Shell had a couple hiccups, but overall that offensive line held up pretty well, even with Dakota Dozier in for Brian Winters. So if the young players are going to play well and the Jets are going to win a few games, I think that's a good situation that any fan should be comfortable with and happy about. This team was never going to go 0-16. The thought that they would win way less games than they did last year was always a bit misguided because the talent level is roughly similar to the team that went 5-11 and last year. I know the names aren't there, but 
if you haven't noticed, Darrell Revis, Nick Mangold are not on NFL teams. Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker aren't doing all that much. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a backup. So, yes, the team last year had a lot more big names, but the talent level really is not that substantially better than it is on this year's team. And that team won five games, so it wouldn't be surprised me if this team uh, won five games. But I still think through three weeks, the most encouraging thing that we have seen so far is just how quickly Jamal Adams has got his feet under him uh, and the number of things that he is doing in this defense. It allows the Jets to go out and do something at, like play a base defense that has three safeties and three corners, uh, three defensive linemen and only two linebackers because Adam is playing so many different positions. You don't have to force yourself into a traditional 3-4 or 4-3. So before we dive into breaking in next week's breaking down next week's game against Jacksonville and if the Jets can win two games in a row, want to remind you guys that mybookie.ag has been in business for years and their reputation is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat you're making money for doing nothing and they have the fastest payouts. Seriously, just two business days. We would only recommend a service to our listeners that's been good to us. That's why we're urging you to check out mybookie.ag. You win, they pay. Use promo code TOJ to activate the offer. That's up to a 100% bonus on your first cash, cash deposit. Again, that's mybookie.ag. All right, Dalvin, going into this game, uh, we're looking at an over-under of right around 40. The Jets are currently three-and-a-half-point underdogs. On one side, you have a Jacksonville defense who has been dominant through three weeks, and the team's been better than expected. On the other side, you have Blake Bortles starting on the road after flying back from London. All I know right now is that I want to take the under in this game, but what do you think of Jacksonville being three-point favorites? I'm, I mean, I'm not really surprised because I also feel that three points, I feel like that's such a, like, such a small number. It's almost like, I mean, it's almost like a push at this point, and I think it's Wednesday, so by Friday maybe we'll see the line move closer to like a pick em or a toss-up. Um, I think that Jacksonville, it also depends on what Jaguars team do you get, right? Are you going to get the team... Are you going to get Blake Bortles that's been efficient under Doug Marone and who's completed, you know, who's, who's, who's thrown for 580 yards, six touchdowns, two picks? Or are you going to get the one from last year who couldn't hit the broad side of a barn and the team had to invest a top five pick in a running back because they didn't trust him to, to, to manage the game? Are you going to get the, 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 the Jaguar team that beat up on Houston and Baltimore or are you going to get the one that got housed by Tennessee and that gave up three, 390 total yards, including 180 rush yards? Those are things to kind of think about. Which one are you getting? I think three points seems fair, but I also think it'll move closer to a pick the closer we get to the game. The one thing that I think is going to be important is that this could be one of those really, really ugly games. Just 6-3, 9-3, 9-6, where maybe a special teams score uh, puts, it out, puts it out of reach. But it also could be a game where the, Jag, the, the Jets, come out and just absolutely blow the doors off of it because of like you mentioned the Jaguars being jet lagged from coming back from London the defense has been solid in two games against Houston and Baltimore but facing a better quarterback in Marcus Mariota they did not play well Tom Savage and even Joe Flacco who's as bad as he has ever been aren't as good as Marcus Mariota right now and I know what Deshaun Watson came in towards the end of the well around halftime of the Houston game and he I mean he did okay but he's not as good as Marcus Mariota yet um, I think that this could be this could be one of those things where, again, you had touched on this when we were leading up to premier uh, to predicting the season. It could very well be the Jets be two and two, and everybody starts talking about that we need to extend McCown because he's the right guy for the job or whatever the case may be. Um, I just feel like this is a game that, 
while a lot of people are picking, like you said, the over-under is, is 40 and it's a three-point game, this could be a game that turns out really ugly and the Jets just absolutely blow the Jaguars out. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting matchup because I do think uh, the Jets' defense matches up very well with Jacksonville's offense. I, I think with the type of back that Fournette is, the Jets are going to load the box and, and you know put this game on Blake Bortles. And without Allen Robinson, I think the Jets will have a good chance to keep Jacksonville to you know, 10, 14 points. The real question is going to be, can the Jets offensive line and can the Jets offense, which really hasn't had a running game all year, find a way to deal with Jacksonville's front seven? I think this is a, you know, a 17-14, 14-10, 14-13 type game. I think it's going to come down to the final minutes. I think it's really a coin flip. I, I'm completely undecided uh, on who I'm picking to win this game. I think the Jets will cover if that line stays at three and a half points because I think this is a one or two point game either way, but it could go either way. And I think the Jets have a really good chance both this week and next week. It would not surprise me if they won both games. would not surprise me if they split. would not surprise me if they lost both of them in, in, in what is a tight overall game. But you know, the most important thing, again, is how does Elijah McGuire play? How does Robbie Anderson play? How does Jamal Adams and Marcus May play? Can Ardarius Stewart get more involved? That still remains the overall focus uh, for most weeks here going forward. And, you know, it, it is kind of funny that, you know, when you look at everything through three weeks, you know, without the Jets, without the media sort of perception of some of these teams, someone's got to explain to me the big difference between the Jets and the Niners and the Jets and the Browns. Because, you know, we, we, we read a lot this offseason about how the Browns were so smart and so cutting edge with their version of tanking. They're 0-3, and Kaiser's been the worst quarterback in the NFL through three weeks, and they look like they're worse than the Jets right now. The Niners, everyone loves John Lynch. He's a genius. He killed it draft weekend. They're 0-3. They look just like the Jets do, except the Jets have actually won a game at this point. I'm not here saying that the Jets are one of the best teams in the league. I'm not even saying they're one of the top 15 best teams in the league. But I am saying that acting like there's some divide uh, in strategy and competence between them and the Browns and the Niners and some of these other teams, never mind stuff that we've seen from a team like the Giants at this point, uh, is off base and was always a little off base. The Jets are a bad team, and they're going to probably be a bad team throughout this year and finish three or four games under 500. But that does not mean that they are a bigger mess necessarily overall than a team like Cleveland, at least through three weeks, and a team like San Francisco, at least through three weeks. I, I mean, if you had to today reset your prediction and expectations, what's the Jets' record after eight games, and what's the Jets' record after the season? Well, first things first, you're you're right that there had there has been this like unnecessary thing with like oh my god the Jets are the worst team in the league and I mean I kind of I kind of repeatedly said it. I was like I don't think they're worse than Cleveland and I definitely don't think they're worse than San Francisco who are probably the two worst teams in the league and then that's not counting a team like Chicago who yes beat uh, Pittsburgh last week but realistically Chicago is not a very good team and that's not counting the Colts without Andrew Luck I know a lot of people are talking about Jacoby Brissett and how oh my god he's done so great blah 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 and it's like well no the team is still bad the team got the brakes beaten off of them by the Rams um, so. I think, I mean, after eight games, I, I I still think they're a six-win team. I mean, I think the high end that I had said was seven wins, and, and people looked at me like I was crazy. I think I'll stick to that, though. Nothing that I've seen, nothing that I've seen has surprised me. Uh, I think that Josh McCown does not turn the ball over at a high at a high enough rate where you have him costing you games. He's not Ryan Fitzpatrick in that aspect. Um, but he also doesn't have the 
the extremes that Fitzpatrick had, right, where one week you'd get good fits and then the next week you'd get terrible fits. And a good fits would be a guy that doesn't or maybe only throws one interception for the record. Um, but I think I, after eight games, I think the Jets will be three and five. Um, and after 12 games, I think you're looking at them being, you know, five and seven, four and eight. I, I nothing because I think there's such that stretch in the middle of the season when they, like you mentioned, when they play Atlanta, when they play New England, and and this is New England who apparently has finally figured out that they have Brandon Cooks on their team. So I, I think, and Stephon Gilmore has eased into his role, and you know, it's, and they may move Malcolm Butler for another piece or whatever the case may be. Um, I think you're looking at, I, I think it's still a six to seven win, a five to seven win team. And nothing that I've seen in two in three weeks has really changed that. The one thing that I will say is that they have been competitive and they have come out and fought. And that's kind of what I expected from the team. So I wouldn't adjust my prediction. I think four, I think three and five, three and five after eight games, five and seven after 12 games. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I, I pick five and 11. I'm still comfortable with that. I think they'll be two and six or three and five halfway through the year. Maybe, maybe four and four, but that's probably ambitious. It feels like a five and 11 team, six and 10 best case scenario, still maybe four and 12, but somewhere in that four yeah. to six games, that four to six game range. But we'll see how the next few weeks play out. And hey, let's let's give a little credit to Todd Bowles when it's due. He, he coached Absolutely. circles around Adam Gase, who was a very highly guarded guy around the league. It was one of Bowles and the staff's best day at the office. And like you said, this team has came out and competed, right? They were in that Buffalo game. They hung around with Oakland for the first half, and they dominated Miami, which is, I think is more than most people expected to through three weeks. If the team continues on their current trajectory, Todd Bowles is probably coming back next year, and the same is for Mike McCagnan. I, I think this was probably going to be the case anyway if they go 5-11, and 11, particularly with an interim owner, because I find it less likely that an interim owner uh, is going to shake things up like crazy and fire everybody while he's temporarily holding the job. But we'll see. I mean, obviously, things can change very much week to week. They just could go out and lose 37 nothing to Jacksonville like Baltimore did, and then these discussions change. But I, I think it will be a competitive, low-scoring, ugly game that the Jets have a very good chance to win. want to thank you guys for listening. want to remind you to follow Dalbin on Twitter, at DA underscore Sario. want to remind you to follow me on Twitter, at Jay Caparoso. Check out all of our writing at TurnTheJets.com. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Check out all of our gear at theloyalist.com backslash turn on the Jets. Wear those t-shirts out to MetLife on Sunday. I should be there, so ho- hope to see a couple of people wearing them. And as always, uh, thank you everybody for listening. Any final words, Dalvin? Uh, yeah, draft season will be back on Monday uh, with me and Jeff where we break out, we start to count down our big board of college and understand that Rosen is number one, not Darnold. Let's not do this. Let's not play this game again. Uh, and yeah, no, thank you guys for sticking with us make sure to tune in make sure to actually go back to play like a jet because because scott had a really really badass story from eric mcmillan that i think really should have gone viral it's such a crazy story um and thank you guys for sticking with us and let's go jets absolutely make sure to subscribe to play like a jet they've had new episodes sundays and fridays going forward so even more podcast goodness over there thank you everybody for listening and we'll talk to you next week